a God that you can trust. Yes, thank you, Jesus. Aren't you thankful that we worship a God that you can trust? Amen. 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 So if we can stand in honor of God's word, I'm going to read one verse for you today. Isaiah chapter 20. I'm going to read a lot of verses, but I'm going to read one. And then have everyone be seated because I know how tiring that is. Isaiah 26 verse 4. And it says, thou wilt keep him. Isaiah 26 verse 4. Verse 3, thou will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusted in thee. Brother Buddy, would you ask the Lord's blessing today? Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. How many have ever been in a storm? How have you been been through a storm, stormy trial in your life? You know, we went through a a trial, and I remember that my brother-in-law, Sean, is Andy, he said, there's this song that um, says, I'll praise you in this storm. I don't know if anyone remembers hearing that song. And so um, I played that song on the piano. I learned the chords for it. And every time I would sit during that trial, I would sit and start to sing, I'll praise you in this storm. (laughs) I would start to weep. Because, you know, there's something about that trial, about that fiery trial that uh, I don't know if I was just resisting. (laughs) You know, do I really want to praise him during the storm? But this says, thou wilt keep him in perfect peace. You know, the Hebrew for perfect peace is shalom, shalom. If you go to Israel, that's the way they greet one another in Israel. The Jews say shalom, shalom. You go, uh, we were there in Israel, my wife and I, in 2017. We go into the shops. They say shalom, shalom. It's a greeting. We say, hello, how are you? They say shalom, shalom. And here it's translated perfect peace. You know, Jerusalem or Shalom is the city of peace. And so that will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. You might be in the middle of a storm, but when you put your trust in him, keep your mind on him, he will keep you in perfect peace. Um, How many know that it's not comfortable to suffer? It is just not. Um, It's not comfortable going through a tribulation. It's not comfortable in the trial. But there's this song that my dad used to sing. And one of the uh, lines said, he never said there'd always be sunshine. He never said there'd be no rain. So God never promised that we would not go through tribulation. Did you know that? But he did say this in John chapter 16, verse 33. Jesus said, these things I have spoken unto you, 
that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. How many know that Jesus said, you're going to have tribulation, but be of good cheer. Um, is that something that you guys think about rejoicing over? Hey, we're going to have tribulation. Let's be joyful about it. Let's be full of joy. Be full of good cheer. No, we don't think about that. It, you will have tribulation, but have courage. Do not move. Be deaf to threats and have a heart like iron because Jesus has overcome the world. You can put your confidence and you can put your trust in him. You can. But there's another verse that's not so popular. Um, you know, when you uh, watch, if you ever watch a football game on TV, you don't see them holding up verses. Then you don't see Acts 14.22 or John 16.33. You know, you're going to have tribulation. And they're holding up John 3.16, right? For God so loved the world. And they're trying to tell everyone how much God loves them. But they're not telling everyone that you're going to have tribulation. If you're a Christian, you're going to have a trial. If you're a Christian, you're going to have tribulation. There's a promise we got from God's word. You're going to have trials. You're going to have tribulation. But Acts 14, 22, it says, confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith and that we must, through much tribulation, enter into the kingdom of God. I don't like the word must through much tribulation. I don't like that. I never did like that idea that I would have to go through tribulation. I've shared this before, but my mom used to teach Sunday school and she used to have this little picture book and go through the little pictures and tell the stories and about the little children and some of the other countries and the persecution that they had to experience. And sometimes they would persecute Christians and they would do things to try to force them to deny Jesus Christ. In one particular time, there was a, 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 a guy with a rock, mom, am I saying this right? And a string and he was swinging it and swinging it and it get closer to the kid's head, get closer and wanted him to deny Jesus and would not. And then the little picture on the, in the booklet shows blood streaming down after the rock struck his head. And I thought to myself, I've been denying Jesus really fast because I don't want no rock and I don't want, that scared me to death. I couldn't understand how anybody could have enough courage and strength to stand up during that tribulation, that trial. But we must, through much tribulation, enter into the kingdom of God in this verse. And how can God build his church with promises like these? How are we going to say, everybody, come join the church. You're going to suffer. Uh, you're going to suffer some things. You're going to go through tribulations. You're going to go through trials. How many people want to, I mean, how many people is that going to attract? So no, we put up John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. He loves you, and we know that he does love us. We try to tell everyone about his great love and his tender mercy, and he does have tender mercy. But we don't always tell them about the trials. We don't always tell them about the tribulation. 
but he is a God that we can trust. There are many who would not be willing to go through much tribulation. Some have started out on the journey with great anticipation of all the good things that God has to offer. As soon as tribulation starts to come, they're like, I'm out of here. I'm tired of going through these hard times. I did not realize that it was going to be so much work to enter into the kingdom of God. I might even die in the process. How many are afraid of that? Living for Jesus Christ, you could possibly die. You could possibly suffer persecution. But be of good cheer. Be of good cheer. It's not the end. We are not hoping in the tribulation or the trial, but we're hoping for what comes after. And that's why we have endured. I know that I can trust in the one who always comes through. He promised trials. He promised tribulations. But he also promised something great after that. We endure the trials and the tribulations. There's a guarantee you're going to have to suffer through some trials, some tribulations. I think everyone here could probably say they've had some trials. Maybe not Isabella. She hasn't had that big of a trial that we know of yet. Caleb, he, he's fussing like right now like he's going through a trial. But that's not really a trial. Yeah. Hey, Caleb. Hey, Caleb, that's not really a trial. You know? I know sometimes mommy doesn't want to give us a toy or whatever we're looking for. Is that what it is? What's he want? Oh, candy. That could be a trial. <laughs> we want candy and mom's saying no. But Romans chapter 5, starting at verse 3, it says, and not only so, but we glory. How many want to say we glory in tribulations? Can you say that with the Apostle Paul? We take glory in tribulations. Also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience. How many have ever prayed for patience? You have? <laughs> well, just know... <laughs> The thing that works patience is tribulations. I stopped praying for patience a long time ago because just like when you, you start praying, God, I need to be more patient, all of a sudden things happen. Trials come, tribulations come because we're praying for it. We're like, we want patience. I want to be a more patient person. Probably most of us have been impatient at times. Anybody here been impatient? At the grocery store? <laughs> oh, behind someone that drives real slow? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> On the way to church. <laughs> uh, well, <clears throat> we admire those individuals who are so calm and seem to be patient. You've met those people? Uh, we don't have much toleration for those who are so impatient and cannot wait for anything, right? We get a little bit irritated with them. 
We see them as immature. We see them as being childish. Sometimes we think they need to grow up. Um, but I do think of my dad when I was younger and in my 20s and I'd see someone in the church really blow it, mess up. I'd be like, Dad, you really need to take care of this. You really need to talk to them because they're, they're not living right. They're doing it. And my dad's like, son, you know, I'm just like, and he would never say anything to him. He'd never do anything about it. But when the tables turned, right, and uh, I was messing up, guess what? My dad was patient with me, and maybe there was somebody out there that was irritated with him for being patient with me. But we have somebody that is so much more patient and long-suffering, and that's our God. And uh, our God is more than a God of second chances. This is a God that I can trust. In Romans chapter 8, verse 35, the Apostle Paul writes this question. Think about the question. Can you answer this question? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? So here's a question for you. Who is going to be able to separate you from the love of Christ? And then he goes and he asks these questions of, of a bunch of things, not who's, right? He says who, and then he says shall tribulation, that's not a who, or distress, or persecution, or famine. Is it going to be tribulation that separates you? What about distress? I didn't sign up for distress when I signed up for this thing. I didn't want to be distressed. How many have ever been distressed? <laughs> Yeah. What about persecution? Anyone here been persecuted? We're so blessed in this nation. We haven't really had to suffer much persecution yet. What about famine? Anyone have ever, ever experienced famine? Well, so far, I have never experienced famine. And... I surely I will never suffer famine as a follower of Jesus Christ, right? Well, what about nakedness? Anyone experience that? Peril. What about perilous times that will come? These aren't joyous times, those perilous times. What about sword? None of these things on this list bring me any comfort. Is there any one of these things that will be able to separate you from the love of Christ? That's the question. What can separate you from the love of Christ? Now, look at the very next verse. This is just so wonderful. <laughs> As it is written, for thy sake, we are killed all the day long. Isn't that just wonderful news? Aren't you guys excited to hear about this? He's saying, as it is written, you know, he's quoting from Psalm chapter 44. As it is written, for thy sake, we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. You know? Isn't that, that's encouraging, right? We are killed all the day long. I don't want to be killed all day long. And I don't want to be lamb chops on somebody's plate. I don't, that doesn't, I don't want that to be me. 
You know, I get this picture of, you know, lambs little standing in a line, go bah, bah, you know. This promise for the Christian is not necessarily a promise of things that we want, right? Nay, in all these things, the very next verse. In all these things, we are more than conquerors. Through him that loved us. Through the middle of any trial that you might go through. Even if it took you all the way to death. We're killed all the day long. It, as a lamb, as a sheep for the slaughter. We're more than, not just a conqueror, but more than conquerors. Through him that loved us. So death isn't the end. So far, if I'm understanding this correctly, looking out, there's no one here that has been killed. Am I correct about that? Everyone here still alive? <laughs> Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. More than a conqueror in tribulation, in distress, in persecution, in famine, in nakedness, and peril, being wounded, being killed. Paul was persuaded that no one or nothing could separate us from the love of Christ. My question is, are you persuaded of that? Paul knew that he could trust in him. My question for you today is, do you know that you can trust in him through all of these things? 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3. It says this. Paul writes again. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies. We're thankful for his mercy. And the God of all comfort. Doesn't that sound good? God of all comfort, who comforteth us in all our tribulation. Boy, we don't want to have tribulation, but we are thankful that he does give us comfort in tribulation. How many have ever experienced a tribulation, but you felt his comfort? You know, um, I've shared this story before, but one of the best memories I've ever had in my life was also during one of the darkest trials in my life. And I can look back on this during a very dark time when I just was pacing Ponytail Lane in the middle of the night. <laughs> and I was praying to the Lord. And then I went into the, my master, our master bedroom has a little retreat area. I knelt down and I was praying and I felt the presence of the Lord. And I felt that God of all comfort who gave me a peace that passes all understanding. And so I can look back during that trial, during that tribulation, and I could, I see that moment, uh, just a great moment. I was in a I was in a trial. It was a great tribulation that we I was experiencing, but I felt peace. I felt His presence. And so, yes, one of the greatest things I've ever experienced took place in the middle of a trial. 
It says, who comforteth us in all our tribulation. Here's why. Listen, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. I was speaking a couple years ago to someone who was in a huge trial and they, everything was dark. Everything was terrible. They were angry, no, no peace. They were just so frustrated. And I said, I told them this story of what I experienced with the Lord. And they said, we wish we could experience that comfort. You know, sometimes the Lord allowed, when's the last time that you seen someone in a trial and you picked up the telephone and called them and said, hey man, I'm, I'm here. You can comfort them with the comfort that you were comforted with in your trial. And God is able to do that. God is the God of all comfort. Now, for as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, we don't want the sufferings of Christ, but we suffer with him and they abound in us. So our consolation, the good news is our consolation also aboundeth by Christ. Just like we experience sufferings of Christ, we also get the consolation. Isn't that awesome? That comfort. Now, how many have experienced really difficult trials? Just about everybody. And how many have ever felt that consolation from the Lord Jesus? That God of all comfort. And people might not understand how you made it through, but the God of all comfort was able to reach down and give you a peace and give you comfort in the middle of the storm, in the middle of the trial. I can't imagine what it would have been like to have to try to go through something without the God of all comfort. The Father of mercy. Just as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also aboundeth by Christ. We as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ are partakers with his sufferings, but also the great consolation that abounds through him. That's the God. The God that you can trust because he won't just leave you there to suffer without bringing you a comfort. You know, he's, he's this kind of God who's so full of loving kindness and mercy. You could almost, when you sense his presence, you can almost feel his pity towards you in that trial. You can almost feel he sympathizes and empathizes with you. You've probably been there when somebody tries to comfort you in your trial and they weren't so comforting. You know, at my father-in-law's funeral, um, we were standing there and people were going through and uh, greeting the family. 
And this lady, she, she meant well. She grabbed my wife's hands and started rejoicing <laughs> and said, rejoice, he's in heaven. And my wife didn't feel like rejoicing at that moment. <laughs> she didn't mean any harm. She meant well. But sometimes you just need somebody to cry with you. Sometimes you need someone to wrap their arms around you and comfort you that way, right? Rejoice with them that rejoice. Weep with them that weep. And I can feel that from the Lord Jesus Christ. He knows what I'm going through. He knows the trial. He knows the tribulation. And I feel that he cares about it. He's concerned and he really cares for me. That's the kind of God that we serve. The word trust means to feel safe. I think you can feel safe with him. It means to be confident. And I think we could put our confidence in the Lord Jesus Christ. It means to be without care or careless. Cast all our cares upon him. It means to rely on. It means to have security. And God should be the one that is the true object of our trust. He, Jesus Christ is the manifestation of the one true God in flesh who died for us and he can be trusted. Some put their trust in people, a husband, a wife, a children, mom, dad, friends, etc. You might put your trust in them, but if you do put your trust in a human being, you will be disappointed. But if you put your trust and your confidence in the Lord Jesus Christ, he never fails. The old song says, Jesus never fails. Who remembers that song? Jesus, old song, never fails. Jesus never fails. You might as well get thee behind me, Satan. You cannot prevail because Jesus Never fails. Some put their trust in a job. Some put their trust in their bank accounts and their savings and stock markets. And they have alarm systems to protect them. And they have guns for protection. And they've got social security. They have the government. They have the justice system. But all of those things might fail you. But Jesus never fails. You can put your trust in him. You can put your confidence in him when things don't look so good. He is the one that we should put our confidence in. Isaiah chapter 26 and verse four. That's the first verse that she pulled up, but I meant to have her do verse three, but it says, trust ye in the Lord forever. For, the, for in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. I told my wife yesterday, I said, well, and you know, have you, have you ever said well? And somebody said, well, now that's a deep subject. I said, so babe, when I say well, I want you to say, now that's a deep subject. So we had this little game we were playing last night. I go, well, she said, now that's a deep subject. How long shall I trust in the Lord? Forever. You mean he will never let me down? 
No matter what I'm going through, I can trust in him because in him is everlasting strength. In me is not everlasting strength. I get weary. I get tired. But in him is everlasting strength. When I am weak, he is strong and I can hold to God's unchanging hand. It is always strong. When I feel like throwing in the towel, I need to remember to keep trusting in him. And I can say this, Lord, I can trust you, Jesus, because of your everlasting strength. Another scripture in Nahum chapter one, verse seven says, the Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble. And he knoweth them that trust in him. Why should we trust in him? Because he's good. And he's a stronghold in the day of trouble. When I feel trouble all around me, I run to him. I look for him and I feel safe. He's a stronghold in my day of trouble. And so many people, there was this old message I heard this preacher preach a number of years ago, back when they had pay phones. Do you guys remember the pay phones, you know, back in those olden days? And uh, it wasn't too long ago. The young people don't even, probably don't even know what payphones are, right? You know what a payphone is, uh, Autumn? No, nope, she don't even know. <laughs> Tina, you know what a payphone is? Oh, she don't even know. <laughs> well, he told the whole service they, uh, on a Sunday morning. He said, tonight we have service and I want everyone to bring 37 cents. So that night came and he put the offering plate up there and he said, everyone come put their 37 cents in the offering. So everyone came and they put their 37 cents in the offering. I got the cassette tape of this. Do you have your 37 cents? He said, you know what that is? That's your emergency phone call. Every time when we're in a trial, when we're in tribulation, we call up so-and-so. We call up, oh, I, I, I need help. I'm, I'm, I'm desperate. We never, you know, we're looking for somebody else to try to help us in our trial, in our tribulation, instead of running to the Lord. He said, you've given your 37 cents. He said, tonight, I want you to run to Jesus. When you're suffering, come unto Jesus. When you're in a trial, run to the Lord, run to the stronghold in your day of trouble. And you know we can trust the Lord because he is good. Psalm 36 verse 7 says, How excellent is thy loving kindness, O God. And because of this, therefore, the children of men put their trust under the shadow of thy wings. So God, the loving kindness that you have far excels anything. And it's for this reason that we put our trust under the shadow of your wings. Because we know that you love us with a love that is indescribable and that you are kind to us with a kindness that is indescribable and we are content to rest under the shadow of your wings. I can trust you, Lord, because of your loving kindness. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17, Paul writes to Timothy, he says, Charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God 
who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. He doesn't with, want to withhold any good thing from you. That's how good our God is. We should not put our trust in riches. Riches are uncertain. You know, you might have an emergency fund, right? But that emergency fund could be gone like that. How many know this by experience? <laughs> I've learned that that emergency fund is there for emergencies and emergencies do arise. And hopefully there's enough in the emergency fund to cover those emergencies. But sometimes there isn't. It is God, the Bible says. I'm not going to go give the scriptures. But the, the, there's a scripture in the Old Testament that says that he is the one who gives us power to get wealth. And it is that same God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights with whom is no variableness, no shadow, no shadow of turning. That's the kind of God that we serve. Every good gift and every perfect gift cometh down. The word cometh means continually comes. He's not withholding good gifts. He's not withholding perfect gifts. And they're continually coming down from the Father of lights. So I trust you, Lord, because even when the economy has not been so good, many have lost everything, but you have seen me through. You have provided beforehand when we had nothing or no way to pay our bills. And it was not an easy lesson, but we did learn to put our trust in him. Our God is a God of providence. He is providential. He provided our needs even when we, I couldn't provide for the needs of my family. I've learned to trust in him. How many have been through those kind of trials so you can learn to trust in him? It's like it says in Deuteronomy chapter 8 where it says he humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger and fed thee with manna which thou knewest not. Deuteronomy 8.3, right? That he might make thee know. And he humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger and fed thee with manna which thou knewest not. Neither did thy fathers know that he might make thee know that man doth not live by bread only, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. He allowed them to go through that trial, that tribulation, so they could learn a lesson. That they could trust him. That man does not live by bread only. But by every word that proceeds out of his mouth. And then 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 7 says. Casting all your care upon him. For he careth for you. How many are scared to cast all their cares upon him? It's a little scary. Why should I cast all of my cares upon him? It says because he cares for you. What about if I just give him some of the little ones I don't care as much about? <laughs> he cares for us. How many others really care about you? Really? And when you begin to know him, you will know that he really does care for you. He cares. 
You know, um, I was in Visalia a number of years ago. We were visiting. My wife grew up in the church there. James McPhail, her pastor, is still pastoring there. He's in his 70s. Just a, he was a, he's a great pastor. He's a great man. And there at the Pentecostal Lighthouse is where my wife grew up. We were visiting in church one Sunday morning, and he preached a message, and it was called, Jesus, Do You Care? Talked about when Jesus was on the boat, and Jesus went down in the bottom of the boat, and he fell asleep, and the storm arose. And the, the disciples came, and they woke Jesus up, and they said, Master, carest thou not that we perish? We're about ready to die here. They're like, Jesus, do you care? And he was a little frustrated with them, and he arose and rebuked the wind and the sea. And the Bible says there was a great calm, which means the, the waves laid down flat. He said, oh, ye of little faith. And so Brother James McPhail, my wife's pastor growing up, talked about this Jesus that he does care. And as long as Jesus is in the boat, we, it's going to be okay. There might be storms all around, but as long as Jesus in the is in the boat, it's going to be all right. Oh, ye of little faith, he said. It's, I'm not going to preach that message. It was a great message. I went to the sound guy and I said, what do I got to do to get a copy of that message? He said, just wait, just wait here a minute and I'll go make a copy for you right now. He gave me a copy of that message. I might have been the only person in that place that got a copy, cassette tape, back in the days of the cassette tapes, <laughs> of a message called, Jesus, do you care? He does care. Jesus does care. Psalm chapter 9, verse 10, and they that know thy name will put their trust in thee, for thou, Lord, has not forsaken them that seek thee. How many were there at, at Pollock Pines? when Jerry shared that alternative to footprints in the sand? How many were there that night? Okay, good. So I found it online. I just want to read this for you. This is not footprints in the sand, but this is an alternative to it. One night I had a wondrous dream. One set of footprints there was seen. The footprints of my precious Lord, but mine were not along the shore. But then some stranger prints appeared. And I asked the Lord, what have we here? Those prints are large and round and neat, but Lord, they are too big for feet. My child, he said in somber tones, for miles I carried you alone. I challenged you to walk in faith but you refused and made me wait. You disobeyed, you would not grow. The walk of faith, you would not know. So I got tired, I got fed up, and there I dropped you on your butt. <laughs> because in life there comes a time when one, one must fight and one must climb. When one must rise and take a stand or leave their butt prints in the sand. That's called butt prints in the sand. <laughs> and I've learned that no matter where I have been in my life, he has never forsaken me. 
And if there really was a time that he would drop me on my butt in the sand, I have learned that even in that, I can trust him. He is the only one who has never left me. He's the only one who has never forsaken me. I, on the other hand, have left him. I have forsaken him too many times to count. Lord, I trust you because you will never leave me nor forsake me. And this poem that we read, it's not really true because the Lord doesn't really get tired. He doesn't really get weary. He did in the flesh. When God was manifest in flesh, he wanted to experience what you and I experience. Weariness and being tired and being hungry, all the things and temptation. But in reality, our God doesn't get tired of you. He's not weary of you. We should trust in the Lord with our whole heart because it says in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not into thine own understanding. We should trust in the Lord from our youth up, at least from our youth up. Psalm 71, verse 5, the psalmist wrote, For thou art my hope, O Lord God, thou art my trust from my youth. So if you are old enough to understand what I'm saying. You can trust the Lord, Joshua. You can trust the Lord. How old are you, Joshua? You're five. Even at five years old, my wife asked me yesterday, who is the youngest king in the Bible? And I said, well, Jesus, because he was born king of the Jews. But if you want to be technical, you know, Josiah was eight, but there was one that was younger than him who was seven. And so there are some five-year-olds, I think, that can understand that you can put your trust in the Lord Jesus. David, how old are you, David? Did you know that you can trust in the Lord? Did you know that? Well, you're old enough to understand that you can trust in him. Elijah, how old are you? You four? Five? He said he's five. Did you know you can trust in him? Hannah, how old are you? Hannah, did you know that you can trust in the Lord? Did you know that? Let's see how old Caleb is. Caleb, how old are you, Caleb? I don't know what he said. But Caleb, you can trust in the Lord. You can trust in the Lord. You might not be able to trust a lot of people out there, but you can trust the Lord. Psalm 119 verse 42 says, So shall I have wherewith to answer him that reproacheth me, for I trust in thy word. We can trust his word. You know, his word endureth. The word of the Lord's. The words of the Lord are pure words as silver tried in the furnace of earth, purified seven times. They're perfect. They're pure. We can trust his word. I am thankful for a God that I can trust in. I can trust in him. And there are so many more scriptures. I can't get to all of them today because we'll be here for a very long time. But there are many who have become angry with God. He has not done what they have wanted him to do. How many has ever been angry at God? 
I yelled at God before. I was in my teenage years. <laughs> um, I haven't yelled at God in a long time because I've learned that you can trust him. And when I'm going through the middle of something, I'm thinking, okay, well, he knows what's best. He knows exactly where I'm at. Did you know Jesus knows all about it? You're in the middle of a trial and a storm. He knows about it. No matter where you're at, he knows. Somebody told me that one time and I was thinking, is that supposed to encourage me? I'm in the middle of a trial. Jesus knows about it. But he really does know. And that actually, um, now it encourages me. There was a time I was in the storm. I was like, I don't, how is that supposed to help? Jesus knows about it. You're in the middle of a storm. He knows all about it. <laughs> well, you just lost somebody, uh, a loved one. Jesus knows about it. Okay. Yeah. How does that give me any comfort? But it, it is. He really does know all about it. He's allowed some people to go through things that they do not think that they should have to go through. Even though he has allowed you to go through some things, it was for a purpose. And there are so many great promises from his word that let me know you can trust him. You can trust him. No matter what. I know that there's people here today that have been through some tough things this week. I'm telling you, you can trust the Lord Jesus Christ. He knows about it. He cares for you. It could be a storm. It could be something you think might destroy your faith. He knows all about it. There is this trying of your faith. And we have a promise from God's word that we will have that time. But we can trust in him. We can trust in him. I'm talking about a God that you can trust today. Amen. And the longer I've been in church and the more things I've been through, the more trials and the more tribulations and the more times I ran to him and sought him, the more that I learned you can trust him. He is somebody who's trustworthy. He is trustworthy. I'm thankful for his trustworthiness. Yeah. Barbara, you had a, a great husband. You guys got along great, right? And I've learned that we could even trust him more than we can trust our spouses. No matter how great our marriage is, it could be the greatest marriage ever. But we can trust him. My daughter's boss at uh, Los Pinos got upset at her because she's not as trustworthy now. <laughs> So even if Rosette fails, Jesus never fails. She asked to be able to not have to work Mondays anymore. And that didn't, that didn't please the boss so much. And so we do worship a, worship a God who's trustworthy. We can always trust him. Amen. Let's just worship him for a little bit. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus.
Hallelujah, Jesus. God, we thank you, God, for who you are. God, we thank you, God, that you have always been there, no matter where we're at in our life, God, and that we can always come to you. God, we can always cast our cares upon you. We can always trust in you because you'll never fail us. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Praise you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, I skipped a lot of verses, but just know there's so many great verses in his word that talk about this very subject. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. Praise you, Lord Jesus. There was a song that I wanted to sing. Um, but I can't remember what it was. So you guys are you guys are off the hook. You guys don't have to hear. It, so. <laughs> so let's just ask. Sing it on the way home. That's right. Yeah, I'll remember it. Yeah. <laughs> on the way home. So amen. It's good to see everybody today. And remember, next week we have a special speaker, my friend Darren Bowler. Uh, he really has uh, been a good friend to me. And um, uh, we've had some great theological discussions over the years since we were young, real young. And um, we haven't always agreed. <laughs> but we have fun. You know, we do with a smile on our face. And um, so just so glad to have him um, here next Sunday. Amen. Lord, we thank you, Jesus, uh, for this opportunity, God, you've given each and every one of us to learn more about one of your attributes, that you are trustworthy. And uh, God, we should be able to trust in you with all of our hearts, not just halfway or partially, but trust you with all of our hearts, 100%. Jesus, even when things don't look so good and things look a little bleak, God, we can trust in you. And uh, your ways are right. Everything about you is right. And we just ask, God, that you would help each and every one of us to learn more of this great attribute that you have. And we give you all the thanks and the praise in Jesus' name. We pray. Amen. Amen. You guys are dismissed in Jesus' name. Greet one another. Praise the Lord. Paz de Cristo, hermanos. Means praise the Lord in Spanish.